0: Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. In a few weeks, we're going to celebrate what? Christmas. Right. And this has been one wonderful year, 2020. I lost some of you then. <laughs> it's only taken about eight years to get through, but we're almost there at the end of this one year. And um, I was reading recently, if you know, 14. Uh, we read uh, uh, about this statement: "Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Peace on earth." This was this was at the time that that Christ came to that Christ came to the earth. God put skin on, came into humanity. We call this the incarnation, incarnate, in meat, wrapped up. God came in the flesh and was born where? In a stinky stable amongst all places. And we read that he has come to bring peace on earth. Now, I looked up news articles this morning. And when I type in news from around the world, I saw some really interesting pictures. Can we start to just cycle through some of these pictures? This is what's happening around the world. Around the world. That's in Paris, actually. Look at that. Really encouraging photos of the news around the world. Peace on earth. How do we reconcile that? That statement that Christ has come to bring peace on earth when we are bombarded with news like that? What do we do with that? How do we manage that tension? Did Christ come to bring peace on earth or not? Because I don't know about you, but... The, the, the within thirty seconds of, of, of something happening news can break and it hits your phone. who reads most of their news from a phone? be honest or from a laptop yeah or an iPad yep and we're bombarded constantly with images like that which Invoke fear, doesn't it? Or anxiety, or confusion. I mean, if I were to ask you at this moment, what is the present emotion that you're experiencing? Just think about maybe in this moment, or just think the, over the last week, perhaps, at the forefront of your mind. Would it be anxiety? Would it be conflict? Would you feel emptiness? Would you feel hopelessness? Loneliness? Or even anger? Some of us will totally feel that. That's that's a very real emotion. But what about peace? Christ has come to bring peace. Here's an important distinction. It's not peace from earth. It's peace on earth. That means that the earth cannot give you peace. The world can't give you peace. People can't give you peace. Circumstances can't give you peace. A political structure can't really give you peace. Your bank account can't really give you peace. You might feel as though you have a moment and that might make you feel good. For a moment, there is an element of that, but true, deep Eternal peace doesn't come from the world. And if the world didn't give it, the world can't take it away. If you've got your Bibles, let's turn to John chapter 14. Whereas I've got you reading from verse 25, but if I could, can we go to verse 1 first? Is that possible? Let's start off at verse 1. Jesus says this Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Read that again. Let not, don't allow it, don't allow your hearts to be troubled. And what's the instruction here? Believe in God, believe also in me. Have a deep trust in God. Have a deep faith in God. Perhaps you're here this morning and you don't really know who Jesus is. You know about church, you've read your Bible, you've sung a song, but you don't really know who Jesus is. You haven't put your deep faith in him. You don't. have you really put a a deep sense of belief in him. to saying, in the last hour, this is his encouragement to us. He knows that, that his disciples are feeling it. He knows his disciples are going to feel it. And this is what he says. He addresses it. He goes, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. When you look around what's happening in the world, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. He goes on in this chapter, you can continue to read, and this is a great expository of the person of the Holy Spirit. In verse 25, it's to you, while I am still with you. But the helper, who's that? The Holy Ghost. Oh, I need a dose of the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you. I was feeling in worship today. Oh, thank you. I need you, Lord. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. I leave with you my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I think Jesus is trying to tell us something here. Don't Let your hearts be troubled. Which means you have, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability to say, no, I'm not going to allow my heart to be troubled. Why? Because the peace of Christ, the peace of Jesus, He's given it to me. I already have it. And if I already have it, why, why am I feeling like it's under threat all of the time? Why am I allowing... The evil one to, through, whatever means, try and uns- to disturb me, to disrupt me. You know the world's trying to disciple you away from the peace in God, don't you? You know, the enemy is, he, th- there are plans, there are tactics, there are strategies, there are wiles of the evil one. And he is trying to dissuade you and disrupt you from being set in Christ. And the world says, hey, gain the whole world. And Jesus says, of what good is it? Lose your own soul. I don't believe the enemy can take your salvation soul, as in he can't take your salvation, your relationship with Christ, but he can try to threaten your peace, your soul, your mind, your emotions, your will. He is trying to rob you from that. He's trying to take that from you. But I've got news for you. He can't do it. He can't. He can try and convince you, but no, if you don't have peace, I wonder if we've given it. If Jesus has already given it to us, it's up to us to stay there. To not blame other people or other things or other circumstances that we're not dwelling in peace. Anyone ever played the blame game? It's very easy to blame other people, isn't it? And I don't know about you, but I've blamed other people for my lack of peace. My my, my lack of sense of being set in this rhythmic grace, this amazing relationship with God. The world can't take your peace. Can't do it. Neither can your neighbor. Neither can your job. Neither can your bank balance. You can't take, no. Because our peace in God is not based on circumstance. It's based on Him. This is not about peace of mind. This is about peace of heart. He doesn't say, don't let your mind be troubled. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. It's not about thinking. It's about knowing. It's about believing. It's something that goes far beyond a moment. Because there will be moments where you'll feel pain. You'll be conflicted. These things are going to come. Things are going to happen. But don't let your hearts be troubled. The peace that I have, I give to you. And something that over this last week as I've been meditating on this, I've had to remind myself of is that fewer problems does not mean more peace. Does not equate to more peace. You can be surrounded with problems constantly, but on the inside you can have a sense of peace because we are rooted in Jesus. We are rooted in who He is. Let's think about Alison Pennygrass. You know, she's a real hero of mine. She lives constantly in this place of peace. And it just seems like she's got problems surrounding her a lot of the time. That doesn't mean she's wrong or bad or evil. God allows her to be exposed to these challenges and she administers peace and grace to those that are around. Every time she goes, wants to take a couple of weeks, two or three weeks something blows up. Something happens. How many times have we brought our problems to Allison? But she administers peace and grace, doesn't she? So just because there are problems around doesn't mean we can't live in a place of peace. In fact, look at Jesus. He was surrounded by problems. place of peace. So here's an encouragement for us believers. If we know Jesus, we will know peace. But if we don't know Jesus, we won't. If there's no Jesus, there is no peace. So let's just get rid of that thinking that I need less problems to experience more peace. (laughs) What about pain? Less pain means more peace. You can experience pain and peace at the same time. I can tell you that. And some of you in this room, you're walking testimonies. You have been walking through pain for weeks, months, years, and yet you still have a sense of peace in Him. Why? Because your peace doesn't come from your circumstance. It comes from knowing Jesus. So if you're experiencing pain at the moment, take heart. Jesus is with you in the midst of that. This is not to deny the reality of that pain. Pain is real but his peace is greater. Our sense of peace, particularly in the West, often surrounds affluence, comfort, a sense of physical security, financial security, political security. But you go to different parts of the world and their idea of peace is very different. Where those things are not a given, Christians just... I don't know. They walk in a sense of joy and peace in an amazing way to the slums at the beginning of the year with Tom. And we see how happy those guys are. They're a, they're a constant threat of disease, lack of food, struggling with relationships, being beaten by police. and all. But they still walk around with a sense of peace and joy. Why? Because their circumstances don't determine their peace or joy. Jesus does. I want to encourage you. Go to a third world world nation and meet some Christians that live in that that arena. Challenge and an encouragement all at the same time. It's one great comfort I have, one great blessing I have that I get to get out of this bubble and see what most of the world live like. What about a slower pace? Does a slower pace mean more peace? No, not necessarily. You can be someone that lives an active, full life that might even be hectic you might have a family of kids and your pace seems to be quite constant and 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 a high pace every day and you can still on the inside experience the peace of God why because your circumstance doesn't determine the peace in your soul in the same way just because you have a very slow pace doesn't mean that you're at peace either There are people that don't do much at all, but don't experience the peace. Hello? There are people that are wealthy, financially secure, all set up, but they still don't have peace. And what about people? Nicer people don't mean more peace either. Oh, that person, they're really bugging me. They've been bugging me for years. And they've taken my peace. No Nicer people does not mean that you're going to have more peace. Sometimes God will surround you with people that rub you up the wrong way. Don't look at anyone else in the room when I say that. I can see you guys raising eyebrows and looking around. Here's a hero of mine, my mother. I love talking about my mum. Over the years, I have witnessed firsthand... Um, people that have not been very nice to my mother. They have abused her. They have spoken against her. And... She still has a peace in God. Does she experience pain sometimes? Yes. Trouble sometimes? Yes. Tension sometimes? Yes. But on the inside, she knows Jesus... (laughs) I was preparing this I'm thinking about my mum I'm tearing up what an example That no matter what has been thrown up against her she doesn't blame God she gets upset absolutely but she lives in the peace that only comes from him the peace that he brings no one else can bring So let's, when we don't dwell in peace. Amen or ouch? Isaiah 9 6. There are some names given to God. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Ease. No, not ease. He will be called Prince of our preferences. No. Prince of peace. That's him. So how, how, do we, how, do we know, how, how do we know to live in this place of peace? Well, two things. The first thing is about setting ourselves in this person of peace. And then resting in this peace. Setting ourselves. And resting setting and resting setting and resting it says in Isaiah 26 verse 3 you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you all whose thoughts are fixed on you so what does that mean set your mind set your heart on Jesus started constantly with reasons to be fearful and anxious and depressed, make a decision by the power of the Spirit to be set on Jesus. Set. Some of you need a reset. Some of us need a reset. Some might even call it a great reset. To have a great reset on Jesus. Reset yourself on Jesus. Fix your mind and your heart on him troubled. If there's anything that that I feel God's saying today is to not be troubled. because You know what I reckon? I reckon the world's going to get pretty interesting in the next six to 12 months. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. And it might get pretty tricky. But it doesn't matter because our peace, our joy, our hope, it doesn't come from the world. It comes from Jesus. And have a guess what? You know when Jesus is writing this and the disciples are living out of this? times. Christians were on the run. Christians were being burned. Christians were being absolutely harassed. And they were trying to stop the mighty move of God through his church, his people. But the world didn't give them their sense of peace. It came from Jesus. So be careful of two things that might threaten your sense. First thing perfectionism. Any perfectionists in the room? Tom's pointing to his wife, Lisa. Of course, she's a perfectionist, Tom. Look at the person she married. You're perfect. She chose well. You know, the push for perfectionism is a myth. I I remember being in year one and my room was tick, 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 all down the great column. And then there was a comment that the teacher wrote, Joshua is a perfectionist. You can talk, Robin Wiseman, what are you talking about? (laughs) And I remember, I remember my father reading that out loud with pride in his heart. My son is a perfectionist. He didn't mean anything negative by it, he was just having a proud dad moment. But I didn't realize that 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 affirmation that my dad gave when I was six years me, and I only realized when I was doing a Search for Life course about 15 years ago, that that had embedded something in me that I need to be a perfectionist. Now, perfectionism and excellence are two very different things. Perfectionism says everything needs to be absolutely perfect. And I... I've had to personally work through God on that one. Now, if I'm constantly wanting everything to be perfect, how could I possibly have a sense of peace? Because I'm looking for someone to be perfect in the circumstance. But when my security comes from Jesus and being set in Him, it doesn't matter so much. Am I saying no to excellence? No, be excellent. I want things done well. So does God. doesn't need to be perfect, but perfectionism. Perfectionism. Is that something you've got to bring to God today? They surrender perhaps that expectation for perfection because it can very well threaten your sense of peace. The second thing is pres- I looked up the word prescriptionism as it wasn't in the dictionary and I thought, well, I'm not a perfectionist anymore, so I'm going to use that word perfectionism and prescriptionism. So, prescriptionism, what is that? Well, everything has to be done a certain way. Look at, look at. Look at the Jews. They were expecting God to come down in a certain way at a certain time, but most of them missed it. How, how, did, how did God come into humanity through a, really, a, a, a birth of a young woman that couldn't find a place to give birth in? I mean, in a stable. And, and that's how God chose to come into humanity, but that doesn't follow the prescription. God often shows up in ways that, that, that are not prescriptive, not prescribed according to how we want. God works very unique. Think about the idea of the cross. Really? Who would come up with a plan like that? Who would prescribe such a plan? <laughs> Circumstances and situations are often imperfect and that's where God rocks up and He displays His peace. Think... Think about Daniel in the lion's den. He's thrown into a den with a lion. He's at such great peace catching some z's. That's the peace of the guy. But God, I don't want to go, don't throw me in there. Those circumstances, they're not too good. I don't like that. How could I possibly experience peace? No, it's in the midst of the den that God shows up. Think about Shadrach, Meshach and a bad knee growth. Those guys. (laughs) Think about those guys. They were threatened to be thrown into the fire for not bowing the knee. If ever there's a word for the church, don't bow the knee to the gods of the world, to the gods of this age. And they were thrown in the fire and they said, you know what? No matter what happens, God is able, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow the knee. How many of us say, God, I don't want to go in the fire. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. That wasn't their prayer. It was God show up. And he showed up. And there was a fourth man. The great miracle here is not that they weren't burned. The great miracle is they just trusted in God. Their peace was in him. They were set in God. And leave the outcome up to God. If they burn, they burn. That's an outcome. If you get hurt, you get hurt. If you get ridiculed, you get ridiculed. But that doesn't matter because our peace, our hope, our joy, we're set in God. So we know that our peace comes from Him. But what do we do with that peace? Let's go to Matthew 28. I'm going to finish here. Matthew 28. Did I say Matthew 28 or Matthew eleven twenty-eight? Eleven twenty-eight. Okay, it's up there. That's why you've got to bring your Bibles. Make sure I'm not lying to you. Come to me, Jesus says. You've heard this before? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gently and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. For your bodies, nope, your souls, your souls. Does God want us to have rest in our bodies? Yeah, He does. But you know what's more important than Him? That which is eternal. He wants us to experience rest in in here, in our hearts. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you didn't know the yoke there, the teachers, how He leads, His instruction. His guidance, it's light. It's not not heavy like the Pharisees. It's not rules and regulations that we've got to follow. Jesus is saying this, come to me. Notice he doesn't say, come to church. He doesn't say, come to church and I'll give you rest. He says, come to me. That's coming from a pastor. I'm here to tell you, coming to church is good. Celebrating God is good. But he doesn't even say, come to the Bible and I'll give you rest. He doesn't say, come to the altar and I'll give you rest. He doesn't say come and put in your offering and I'll give you rest. He says, come to me. Because you can come to church and still not come to Jesus. You can come to the altar and still not come to Jesus. You can put in your offering. You can feed the poor and still not come to Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've been coming to church and doing the right thing and reading your Bible, but you still have not yet come to Jesus. Gives you rest. Come to me, he says. So, this is a matter of resting in the person of peace. If you want to rest in peace, you've got to come to the person of peace. Peace is not just a thing, peace is a person. And how do we do that? We work with the Spirit. We work with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, Come, let me take you to Christ. And when I take you to Christ, you then are enjoying. You are participating in this amazing eternal relationship between the Father and the Son because the Father and the Son have a perfect community of joy, of love, and of peace. And the Holy Spirit says, come in. How do you come and come to Jesus and enjoy this relationship? We call this a perichoresis, a perichoretic dance, a rhythm of grace where we are with the Son by the Spirit. You cannot come to Jesus except by the Spirit of God. You can insert the amens as much as you want. You can do your ritualistic Bible readings as much as you want. These are good things. But if Jesus isn't there, I'm not interested. I just want Jesus. If there's no Jesus, there's no peace. So the great shepherd calls for us to rest. The psalmist David knew this in Psalm 23. At the very beginning of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He what? Makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me. Sometimes he's going to make you lie down. Do you know how hard it is to make a sheep lie down? For a sheep to lie down, it needs two things. The absence of fear and the presence of being well fed. It's a cure. Jesus wants to bring you to a place where you know that you're well fed and without fear. I don't have time for fear. The world is trying to stoke fear in us. If it's not COVID, it's going to be something else. Come on. Let's think a little bit higher. Through fear. But there's no fear in love. And we know who loves us. And we know in whom we're found. So our rest, if I can have the musos, please. The rest that we find in God. The rest that we find in Christ, it's not an action of the flesh. It's a posture of the heart. It's something like this. In your heart, you say, hey, God, there's so much muck going on. There's so many threats. And I just posture my heart again on you and in you. I need you to be set in you and to rest in you. Perhaps this morning it's, it's a bit of a reset for you. You know, I used to go to church and still not have a relationship with God. In worship before, uh, this morning as we're waiting, I, I saw a picture and I felt it was a prophetic picture for us this morning. I saw a picture of a great present and it had a bow on it. And as I saw the present, I thought, wow, that looks great. But then I saw some hands open up that present, an empty box. And the impression that I had is that there are people here today and you look good, but you're empty on the inside. You don't have that peace. You don't have that sense of knowing Jesus. So we can come on and put on our Sunday best. We can smile. We can put on our nice Sunday clothes. You can see other Christians and you can look good. You can smell good. You can say the right things. But on the inside... You might be empty. Hand out communion just as we finish. I want to have a moment with Jesus. I want Him to be my portion. I want Him to be my refuge. I want Him to be my Savior. I want Him to be my joy. I want Him to be my hope. I want Him to be my peace. And I want to rest in Him. Wonderful. Has everyone got a cup? If I can get one too, that'll be great. Thanks, Bunny. Thanks, mate. Might be a little bit hard to open, but it's a COVID-safe communion cup. Just get out a bit of biscuit or the wafer and get the juice ready, and we're just gonna have a couple of couple of minutes. Remembering Jesus and celebrating Him. Are you ready? If you're comfortable, would you stand up with me? Maybe today you're not a you're not a Christian. You don't follow. I take. I take nothing for granted here. You, you, maybe you've been coming to the church services here for years and you still don't know who Jesus is. <laughs> that, that could be you. I know because I was once in that place. But if today you want to say yes to Jesus to put your deep sense of trust and faith in Him, let's celebrate Him together. I, I want, I think I want this then let's say, yes, God, that's me. I thank you and I celebrate you in this moment. Before we partake, it's important to understand what we're doing. Jesus died on a cross and to give us that peace, it came at a cost himself. How much does God love you? Well, how much he loves you? Well, what did he pay for you? He's redeemed you. What what price did he pay to buy you? That cost is humongous. You can't put a dollar figure on that. That's how much He loves you. He gave everything. And He paid the price of our sin and our death. He took it on Himself. And He conquered sin and Satan and hell and death that we might participate in a life with Him forever.